This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Today I'm talking with Tanner Lawley, a contemporary artist from the Dallas, Texas area. So how does a six foot six bouncer and bodyguard begin painting symbols of love for the world? Well, listen up and you'll find out. Hi Tanner, welcome to the show. Hey Jane, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here and let's start out by telling people how we met. So you were at the Scottsdale, Arizona Celebration of Fine Art. I think it was in 2015, but how many years have you been there? Um, 2015 was my um, third year there. So, yeah, three years in a row, 2013, 14, and 15. And I want to say we met, I think we met in the 2014 show. Oh, was I it? Say. Okay. I think it was. Right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. See, that's why we have two people here to get it right. <laughs> so um, what I really loved about that show, and there's probably things like this around the country, around the world, but this was my first experience like this where you and the other artists basically set up camp there for what, like three months? About, um, the show's about 72 days and it takes us about a week or so to build out our space. So we all get just like two walls and then we build out our own gallery or studio space and then a few days to tear it down at the end. So generally it's about 80 something days, 82 days and we get an apartment there and, or thus uh, those of us that come out of town have to get an apartment there, of course, for that, for that time period. And it runs from um, usually about the middle of January through the end of March each year. I think this year will be their 27th year. This coming up, 2017, will be their 27th year in existence. So I might be putting you on the spot here, but I have a feeling you'll have these answers. So how many artists are there roughly each year? There's 100 artists that get into that show, and that can be from painters to sculptors to mixed media, uh, jewelry designers and fabricators, I mean, there's pretty much a little bit of everything. There's mm-hmm. pottery, ceramics. I mean, uh, it is um, the, the show does great uh, selecting a group of artists. And, and some of those artists have actually been there from the beginning. They've been there every year uh, from the beginning. And, and there's, there's several artists that do quite well, well there during that period. And mm-hmm. I think there's about a 15% turnover each year where they let new artists come in, 15 to 20%, somewhere mm-hmm. around in there that come uh, that are new artists each year. Amazing. And I mean, it was what I loved about it is that not only can I see pieces of your work, but I can watch people doing the work, which is pretty fascinating to me because I've always had this secret dream in the back of my mind to be an artist of some sort. I think um, if I had to choose, it would be oil painting, much like you do, but it hasn't really come out yet. 
So when uh, I, yeah, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it goes where you put your time in, so it's That's never true. too late to go tackle that dream. And That's just, true. Uh, start doing <laughs> it now and and do it for the next ten years, and then decide if you're any good at it. Right. I might have to come <laughs> you know? down and take classes from you. I saw you have some classes at your gallery, so I might have to sign up for that and get a trip down to Dallas. Yeah, we could. I, I'm sure I could teach you a few things. <laughs> so. Back to the gal- back to the where we met up. So I came around the corner and saw your uh, booth. That's a, it sounds like a booth, but it's a huge space with all of these hearts on the wall. And I obviously immediately fell in love with it because what I love about your work is that there's so much texture and color and flow that they almost feel like they're moving. You know what I mean? And then um, you were sitting there, you know, quietly behind your your I guess where you were painting and working, and we started having a conversation. And I think. About 10, 12, 15 minutes into that, my sister and niece gave up on me and took off. And I think I sat there for about another hour and we talked about how you became an artist, which I thought was such a fascinating story and some of the things that you believe in so much. So that's why I'm so happy to have you here today. So we can delve into that a little bit and show people how sometimes you're not an artist at four or maybe you are, but you forget and then you come back to it later. So let's start with... um, talking a little bit about how you ended up oil painting, like how you got to that point. Maybe go as far back as you want to go and bring us forward to today. Well, um, I guess going back in the beginning, uh, I come from three generations of uh, paint contractors. So, you know, we, we would do pretty much anything to everything from uh, residential to commercial spaces. So painting walls, you know, wallpapering walls, uh, faux finishes, pretty much that kind of stuff. So I grew up pretty much with a paintbrush in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I was a kid, we, we, uh, we had to go to work with dad in the summers. So, uh, we would go to work and, and we'd be painting. And of course I was always the kid that, um, would go find a space to take a nap or go, <laughs> uh, paint something. And I would spend forever painting it because I'd be painting my own kind of art on the wall, you know, monochromatically. Uh, so I wasn't a very good worker when I was a kid, but, <laughs> you know, having a creative mind, that was kind of where that, you know, led me. And, uh, I remember, uh, you know, first grade, I loved to draw, you know, I was drawing all the time, but, or, or sorry, second grade, but drawing so much that I got in trouble in class and oh. I didn't, I didn't have the talent that, the, the kid Dax that I sat next to that he had because he could draw Spider-Man and he could draw <laughs> um, Superman and all kinds of, you know, caricatures, comic book type mm-hmm. stuff. And, and, uh, but my, my drawings were more uh, geometric shapes and spirals and mm-hmm. just continuous type patterns of things. And, um, you know, in that, um, you know, I got in trouble. So, uh, my teacher at the time, you know, uh, said that I had to stop doing it. I had to do my work. And so at that point I kind of lost the, um, I guess the drive for it, you know, because mm-hmm. I was told that it wasn't an option for me and right. that wasn't something you did in our little small, you know, town. So, uh, I was a big kid. So everybody really focused me on sports and that, you mm-hmm. know, I love playing sports of course. So, but, um, you know, now I'm, you know, six, six, 300 plus pounds and, you know, built like an NFL lineman. Yeah. But <laughs> it kind of, you know, you wouldn't picture me as the person that paints symbols of love for, for a living. So, right. um, but you know, I, I'd, I'd gotten away from that until, um, after college, I, um, 
started doing some bodyguard work and because I was a trained fighter for half of my life. So, you know, about 10 years of martial arts training, teaching, studying, you know, in my life uh, up until that point. And being the biggest guy in the room, uh, you usually uh, people want to pay you to be around. So I found myself doing those type of gigs and jobs and working for musicians and athletes and businessmen, you know, uh, people like that, that that needed protection of some sorts. And uh, in that, that kind of led me to go down a wrong path and got away from my faith and, you know, kind of the ways that I was brought up into the world and the things that I was sheltered for. I was exposed to those, you know, at about 20, 21, mm-hmm. 22 years old. And uh, doing that, that actually got me in trouble and actually had to go uh, spend some time behind bars. And uh, for about nine months, I ended up spending uh, in jail because of some you know, bad choices, running with the wrong crowds. And, you know, uh, the old birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, flying so, with the, the wrong birds. So, how, <laughs> you know? so it sounds like, you know, you did like growing up, you had some pretty strong faith influences. But then, you know, like a lot of us, when we get get our chance to be free, all of a sudden, everything seems amazing. And it's easy to get caught up in that. So how old were you when you when you um, went behind bars? How old were you? What's the um, what stage got, was that? I got I got locked up September nineteenth, two thousand one. And so my birthday is August twenty eighth, seventy seven. So I was about twenty um, what is that? 20, <laughs> I can't do math that 23 so, twenty four, something like that. Uh, I'd gotten in trouble May ninth. Uh, 2000, yeah, 2000, which mm-hmm. I graduated from a Christian university, um, May 8th, 1999. So oh, okay. about a year from being out of college, you know, and that sheltered kind of, uh, upbringing and, 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 um, you know, operating in that, in that very religious world for a majority of my life, you know, mm-hmm. at that time, you know, 20 right. years or so. And, um, yeah, I got away from that, but very easily got into that other crowd, you right. know, and that was the bartending and, you know, I'd worked, uh, in bars and restaurants at that time. And I would build, um, I would build, uh, businesses like mm-hmm. they need to promote a new night. I was the one that went out and did all the, the ground game work and meeting people and inviting people. That was a, a strength of mine. I was always a people person. So, mm-hmm. um, but in that, you know, I, I got, I got locked up September, you know, 19th, 2001. So right after the, the world trade, uh, or the uh, twin tower right, bombing right. in New York. And, uh, the very first drawing actually uh, that I made in there was for my brother, because uh, a lot of my, you know, family, my, my mom and dad were always there, but, uh, me going through that, you know, that phase pushed a lot, <clears throat> a lot of my family away from me. I mean, uh, my uncle is a police officer in Houston and, and I remember getting letters from my cousins basically, um, saying how disappointed they were in me, you know, oh, and how could I do things oh. like that? So I had, you know, a lot of, you know, pretty much when you go away, uh, there's not many people there, you right, know, uh, right. once you're in there. And a well, lot of plus, your people that you think are friends are are no longer your friends. Right. They it were sorts it out. Yeah, it sorts it out pretty quick, doesn't it? <clears throat> oh, it does. It definitely does. And I had yeah. a few of them that stuck with me, you know, for sure. But I found myself drawing because I didn't have much time. And, you know, I had um, actually had won a, a card off of a guy with a rose on it in a spades game. And that was my first piece that I really um, actually copied it. You know, I took uh-huh. it and traced it and copied it and 
and and sold that for some commissary. And <laughs> I think I got about a a dollar fifty worth of commissary, which at that time was a, a twenty ounce Dr Pepper uh, in a plastic um, <laughs> in a plastic. Uh, jar, of course, or, you know, bottle yeah, right, right. And, and the Snickers bar. So right. that was my first payment, you know, for art. And then I had made a few more of those and got to where I could start getting more money. And I started branching out of that a little bit. But during that time, I'm a, I had done this memorial piece of, of, a, um, of an eagle flying over New York City skyline with the fireman holding up the flag. That, wow. that image was so um, you know, prevalent. It was one of the ones that everybody remembers right, from that, right. that time. And uh, I merged those three together uh, by using ink pens and colored pencils. And that was kind of the first. And I, I started drawing things for my family when they would write me letters or when I would write them letters, you know, apologizing or just trying to keep in touch and keep that connection. I found <clears throat> art really came out of me, you know. Do you, and do you still have any of those, those pieces that you made uh, while you were there? I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. my brother's... Um, my brother still has his in his house. Uh, I have copies of a lot of my first ones, the drawings. Like I, my my grandmother loved Alan Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, so I did a, a portrait of Alan Jackson that was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly or something. You know, my mom was great. She sent me magazine subscriptions. Right. And, you know, when you're behind bars, your mail is really your that's Gold. your one way to get at, get away from right, right. your exterior circumstances, you know. So, uh, and I, I, luckily, I had support like that that a lot of people didn't have. So I had newspapers. I think I had USA Today, and mm-hmm. you know, I started making art, a collage art. Um, for my walls and for other people's walls with all those newspaper and magazine mm-hmm. articles and clippings. And, you know, so I kind of started getting into that mixed media side that, and I didn't know what it was right, at the right. time. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't have an art education. So, um, but that was kind of the beginning, you know, and but Tanner, I started. I mean, you think about though, like all the things that you could do while you're in there, right? Like all the ways you could spend your time or spend your thoughts, right? And it looks oh, yeah. like you took it to, for whatever reason, something within you took it to really the right place. Because, you know, I think that sometimes people would love to have a break, right? Nobody really wants a break in jail. That's not really where we want to spend our time. But sometimes that break, that pause in the track that we're on, it's kind of like it gives us a chance to sort it out. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we definitely need it. In this world, everything's so fast paced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all so busy. Um, right. You know, rarely do we take the time to to relax or sit still, you mm-hmm. know, and and uh, over and over we've heard the masters and, you know, the wisest people in the world say, be silent, you know, find your silence and your solitude. And some people say prayer, meditation, and it's really all the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just getting silent and, and uh, being comfortable in silence. And there's a lot that you can learn about yourself. And I was lucky to go through that stage mm-hmm. at young in life in my early twenties, where some people don't go through that until their fifties and they call it right. a midlife crisis or they right. go through a divorce or something like that, that gets them to where they have to be comfortable with themselves and, mm-hmm. and that time alone. And, but uh, it's good to have that if you turn it, you know, if you use it you know, to your advantage, of course. Well, so, I, think, um, I think that's something that you and I have talked about offline where we talked about somehow. I, I mean, I think one of the one of the things I appreciate the most that I came in with is this eternal optimism. And it like I don't know how I would manufacture that if I didn't have it. Supposedly you can. But it's just innate. And I think you have the same thing. And that's why, you know, I was thinking this the other day, like there was uh, there were some really tough things I went through in high school, like really tough. And I still to this day, look at them as 
I learned from them. I, you know, there's something that came out of, there's something that was built like a structure or a strength in me because of going through those. And that's what we have to do. And that's, it looks like that's what you did with this experience. You really used it in the best way possible. Well, failure is, um, a lot of times people are scared of failure, but failure um, talks to you in a language that's unlike any other language. You know, you, the things that you learn from what, you know, the, the public or the majority would see as failure is really just, uh, you know, an obstacle that made you stronger, you know, and you Mm -hmm. get up and, you know, I'm a master at failure. Um, (laughs) I really am. I've failed my whole life, but I'm, um, I'm a guru at getting back up, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how right, to explain right, it, but you know, right. uh, I'm, I'm much better at getting up than I am at failure. And uh, once you've done it so many times, it, you kind of break it off. And you know, in business now, I, I look to fail at, um, at goals and desires because if, I, if I'm achieving every goal that I set for me, I'm not aiming high enough. Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm not pushing exactly. hard enough and, uh, and I'm playing it safe and playing it safe is, you know, for the sheep, you right. know, I'd rather, I'd rather be the shepherd, you know, right. and, uh, and that's kind of how I look at it. So I always set unattainable goals for me every year, but I get really close to those un- unattainable goals. And if I wouldn't have set my goals that high, right. uh, I wouldn't have even got close. So you know, but uh, that's what pushes me to succeed even more is just knowing that, well, I'm not there yet. And I'm always striving, you know, to, to be better, to do more. And mm-hmm. uh, now, you know, my focus is more on spiritual things, which is love. And that's where my art comes in. And so my goal is to make people think of love when they see my work. Mm-hmm. And for that moment, make them see love, you know, and think right. about it and, and, and really feel the energy of it. You know, the, 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 energy that love puts out is the strongest energy I've ever experienced, you know, well, and imagine, um, imagine the, the idea that, so you've sold somewhere around, I think, uh, 1800 paintings, something like I, that. I think, I'm, I think I'm probably close to 23, 2400. Okay. You know, I've lost count of original pieces and right. that could be small things to big things. Um, right. but think about what know, those are doing in the world. Right. So think about like, and that's what you do think about everywhere that they're being seen it's your energy of love is flowing into that. And then it, they receive that and then they flow that out. So it's this like ripple effect that you've created with every piece. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that, um, you know, it was a, it was a conscious effort, you know, one, whenever I chose that subject matter, I needed to teach myself love, Mm -hmm. uh, because I just went through a bad breakup and, uh, but I had started, uh, reading, um, change your thoughts, change your life by Wayne Dyer, who oh, recently passed, right. I you know, know him. In, right. in, in the last year. And, uh, but I learned a lot through that and it was contrary to what I was, uh, learning in, in my religious life growing up, you know, mm-hmm. in that, and that, uh, you know, church setting. Um, but I found out that there was a s- similarity between a lot of those things. And that study of the Tao Te Ching, I, I learned a lot about the way, you know, mm-hmm. and I believe that way is the same as God's way. It's the mm-hmm. spirit, you know, it's just the, the constant flow of everything around us. And we can choose to go with the flow or we can choose to fight the flow. And, and most people, I would say, fight the flow. They, they, uh, they want to control everything. Their ego is really engaged. So it's about take, take, take me, 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 right. where the flow is more about give, 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 you know, and serve and love. And, 
um, you know, be with people and think positive things about people and, you know, try to be a light to, to the darkness in the world. And I think that's all the same. We, we all try to put words on it, but you really, mm-hmm. you know, like Wayne Dyer says, you can't get wet from the word water or Vosser or, or Agua or H2O, you know, you can't right. get wet from the word, <laughs> you know, you right. got to ingest it. You got to pour it on you in order to get wet. And, and, um, no matter what you call it, still that, you know, uh, in and of itself. So it's kind of like love, you know, I couldn't feel loved unless I had love to give to others. And so one of, you know, me starting to paint hearts was I had to, I, I, I had, you know, a lot of mindsets and ways the way that I thought that just weren't the right ways. You know, I looked at people, uh, with, you know, um, and just negative ways of looking at people, right. you know, hatred or, or racism or, um, you know, greed or, I mean, all even, those even ways. Trepidation, or, even trepidation, like without a, doubt, know, without a doubt. Yeah, exactly. And fear, you know, right. so I had fearful mindsets towards people and I knew that the only thing that could change that was love. And, mm-hmm. you know, I believe God is love and love covers a multitude of sins. So I saw myself as a sinner of sinners, you know, kind of like Paul in the Bible or Saul, mm-hmm. that transformation, you know, those were, uh, I, I really saw that sto- that story as being the same as me, you know, mm-hmm. and the only way I was able to get rid of those habits, those negative habits that I had formed through my life was to start adding good positive habits. Right. So I said, okay, I'm going to start paying love. And then the more I started paying love, I mean, it's like now I've gotten to the point to where, you know, when I'm in the shower and I squirt out my, my soap onto my, my loofah, uh-huh. it's, in the, it's in the shape <laughs> of a heart and I don't uh-huh. do it intentionally, but it's just, you know, like I put it on my, I put mayonnaise on my bread or mustard and it comes out in the heart, you right, know, and it's just right. like, it's, I've done it so many times that that's my way now. That's just Aww. what flows out of me, which, you know, that was a habit, but it you know, took me 10 years of cultivating that habit, mm-hmm. you know, or I guess about eight years now that I've been doing hearts uh, or love and that's been my focus. And, but, um, that I believe that's my way now. I choose love, uh, in every um, meeting that I have, when someone comes in my way, I look at things that I love about them or I mm-hmm. look for love in them mm-hmm. instead of picking out things that I don't like about them. And, and, and I believe that I can do that now because I genuinely love myself just the way that I am. Right. And, uh, but I also love you just the way you are. I wouldn't change a thing about you, you know, right. and right. I choose to look at everybody in that light, uh, and when I give that energy off to people, they receive it and then they in return give the lack energy back to me, you know, and, yeah. uh, if the world did more of that, man, we wouldn't have the mass killings and everything that's bad that we could focus on in the world. But luckily that stuff's not around me, but I don't think right, it will right. come around me because it can't operate in that world, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and true right. goodness, that stuff can't operate anymore. So, but wouldn't it be cool if we could all collectively like band together and make that the way everything is like, that's, that's really why I'm doing this podcast is I want to inspire people to think this way, to think about following their passions. Cause the more that we do that and, and that the way that we do our passions is for serving others and for the greater good, the more that we create in the world, the more of that energy and vibration we create. So I'm hoping that's really what this is all about. This conversation is just sharing more of that so that people will be inspired to do it in their own lives. And that's all it takes. So that's what we're here for. We're, you know, one person at a time, just affect one person a day. And it's like to pay it forward, as they say. And, you know, just, 
you know, try to try to be a light to somebody, you know, right. and hopefully you can be a light to everybody. But when you when you're trying to change your ways or if you don't live that way naturally, right. the only way to do that is to start and to find somebody that you believe doesn't feel loved and show them love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could be a, a bottle of water to somebody on the side of the road asking for money. That could be I mean, there's so many ways right. to do that. And that could just be a smile. I you know, know, make an eye contact exactly. with somebody and smiling at them, you know, and uh, and I think that's the easiest way to project that energy is to smile at people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I look at both of our candidates right now for presidency this year and neither one of them really smile that much. You know, they're, they kind of have a scowl and yeah. you know, just a, a kind of way of them that I know is not based out of love. You know, or you'd see it in their face. You'd right. feel it in their energy. You know, you definitely feel it in their words. Well, you now, know, so. Yeah. Now I can tell I have to ask this question because when you were talking a couple minutes ago, a question came up in my mind and I wrote it down thinking, I'll see if we go there. But now that you brought up the candidates, I think I think I'm supposed to go here. So here's the question. So let's say you and I walk around. We are happy. We're, we're bringing joy. We're giving love. We're flowing all of that. And that's how we want to operate all the time. Right. But in right now in the United States during this election, probably in the world, it's a world topic, really. You know, there's so much anger and hatred and negative energy going on just because in the nature of elections alone, but in this one especially. So how do we, um, I mean, one of the things I do is I try to avoid as much of the conflict by not watching every newscast and reading everything about it, but I need to be informed at the same time. But how do we uphold this kind of like light and energy and um, love and spread that in the midst of all of this? Man, that's a question I think they've been asking for for generations. I didn't and put generations. you on the spot or anything. No, no. I, I mean, uh, but I mean, that's a hard question. I, right. I ask myself that same question, but right. all all I can do is control what I have control of in this world, right. and that's right. my thoughts. Right. And my, you know, once I control it in my thoughts, then. Uh, my energy and my body's going to follow. So, mm-hmm. you know, we like we have a mural at our gallery right now that we've invited the public to come in, and it's got it's got Donald Trump on it, and it's got Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. and and Hillary Clinton is. Um, got her arms out I and mean, there's several pictures of her kind of looking up and like, yeah, you know, that kind of glorious, right. you know, feel, but she's dancing on a bunch of emails and things that are under the water. And, right. you know, we've got Trump pushing this wall on the border between, you know, Mexico and, and, and America. And, you know, that's kind of his thing. And, right. But we've invited, you know, the public to come add to it. So over the last, you know, probably month or so, People are starting to bring in their newspaper articles. They're they're bringing they're adding to um, the mural, and it's starting mm-hmm. to kind of take form because we want the people to say, "Hey, tell us what you think." And, and right. we're not trying to pick sides. I mean, I think from what I've heard, most people are are dissatisfied with the candidates that are choices. I mean, right, it's like right. everybody wants option C or D, you right. know, or yep. or really E or F. But right. you know, it's it's gotten to a point to where. It's just such a crooked world. You know, it's just such a, I mean, it's a, taken from one to give to another, you know, fighting one to keep right. from somebody else. And it's a lot of it's money and greed oriented and a lot of the choices all it's turned to a business instead of, uh, 
you know, it's all about business pretty right, much. Right. And it's very cutthroat. And, you know, it's it's hard for me. You know, I still have people that talk about this election and they right. say, well, who are you for? And and I'm like, I'm for none. Neither one of them deserve my vote. Right. And, and I'm not going to vote for either one of them, you right. know. And, right. you know, I know that's taking out of you know, someone else, or maybe that's support. I mean, you hear all these ways of how that supports them, but I just, I refuse. I have to stand for my morals and I have to stand for what I believe in. And I believe the only way for me to stand is to not vote for either one of them, you know, and now we have a third and a fourth candidate that supposedly, or that will be on the ticket that we can vote for. And are they the right choices? Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I mean, it's a I, tough call. I mean, it's like, even because we won't know. I don't think we'll know really. There, there's so much that can happen in the next few months. Really, there is. I mean, with the world today and what all of the information that's out there, there's so much that can happen. But I, what I keep trying to do is every time the conversations come up, because they do, it's just the way everybody, it's on everybody's mind right now. And people want to talk about it, but I no know. one wants to talk about it. <laughs> right. Know? But there's people no easy upset, answer. You know, there's no talk, easy yeah. answer. Yeah. So I keep no. just saying like, you know, if we all can like, instead of being in an attack mode, just be in a receive and love mode, whatever our choice is, that's irrelevant. It's how we go in to make the choice. Yeah. You know? and, and tell you the truth, it really doesn't matter who our president is. Right. It's up to us to make right. the change. And right. we as the people, which America was founded on that as togetherness, a, right. a union of all these differing views. But we all had um, the viewpoint was to for the greater good. And right. now it's gotten away from that. It's all more private interest groups and, right. and everybody's trying to bang their symbol as loud as they can to say, look right. at me, look at me and listen to what I have to say because I'm important. And, I, you know, we're all important. And, right. But we have to have that mindset to, to see the importance in people and, you know, just to love others. And I mean, if every if just imagine if, you know, we had candidates that were running on loving the op, the, their neighbor and right. saying, you know what? Right. I, mean, I mean, just imagine if Donald came out and said, you know what? I believe Hillary is a great choice and I believe she's an incredible woman right. and I, I could see our country <laughs> doing well with her. And imagine if she came and said the same thing and right. focused on the, all the good that Donald had done through his life, you know, instead of right. all the bad. And now it's just, I mean, people are so turned off on it because they're tired of it and they're they're fed up with it but people don't feel like they can do anything about it you right. know because government is so much bigger than us i mean it's it doesn't even matter how many votes are cast i mean you could have the majority of the votes going to one candidate and the you know let's say there were 300 million people right. and uh, 151 million people voted for this person well that doesn't guarantee that they're going to win right I you know. know the way that our system's set up so you know, in that case, one person's vote is not equal to another person's right. vote. It all depends on where they live and how they're, you know, all these uh, all the demographics. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. And, it, and it's frustrating. And so, right. you know, until things like that get changed, until we're until all of our votes are equal, I don't believe it's going to change because right. um, the majority's not going to win, you know, and sometimes it can win. But um, either way, it's, I mean, it's really going to come down to 50, 51. It seems like it's going to be teeter totter here or that person. Right. And it's just, uh, we have a system that we can't trust and everybody, and no one feels that they're trustworthy. And, right. uh, that's what I, that's who I vote on is who can I trust. So and if we don't have those options, then I guess all we can do is on our individual level, like that's like what I'm trying to do is individually <clears throat> in every conversation that comes up about it. I'm trying to 
not feed the negative engine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. just either change the subject, which maybe seems a little bit like head in the sand, but there's no need to feed that negative engine. So if I can't turn it around to something positive, then it's not even worth having the conversation to me because there's enough of it out there. But I've learned there's a great little phrase that we we all should use more often. What's that? And, you know, and in marriages, I think it's vital. It's, um, you know, I've never considered that point of view, but thank you. That's a great point. <laughs> you know, I'll and I, I'll, I'll consider that or, right. you know, you may be right. right. You know, uh, that's another way of saying oh, it. Yeah. And say, you know, you're probably right, even though you know that they're not right. But as long as the first person that says, you know, you're probably right. Thanks for right. your opinion. You know, right. then then the conflict resolves. And the person, whoever was upset, goes away. Right. They can't be upset like anymore because you told them they were right. I'm you know, so going to use that. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> but it's key. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, I've been married now going on my my sixth year. Um, we got married 9909. Oh. And, you know, we're going in or actually going on our seventh year now. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> so, it's on the recording. Um, but, but um, you know, I, I tell myself that. You know, when my marriage works, it's because I remind myself what I love about my wife daily. Right. You know, and right. instead of what I'm not happy with, which all of us are going to find something that we're not happy with mm-hmm. in our partner. Right. You know, there's always going to be something. No one's going to fit someone that exactly perfect. You think, man, this, I, it can't get any better. You right. know, uh, but some, right. some people may. But if the more you focus on what you love about them, that's more, that's what you see in them. Right. And when you see the things that you love about somebody, they feel that you love them because mm-hmm. that's the energy that you're putting off towards them. Right. And, you know, I remind myself what I love about my wife. And when I don't, mm-hmm. uh, I let the other things creep in. Then now I just flip the switch and say, yeah, that's really not that important because man, she sure did hang the moon on this one, you know, right. and she sure is the best mom I can imagine. Aww. She's going to like hearing this. You've got it all in recording, except for that slip up on the Well, I'm, I'm going to keep it from her, so uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, yeah, please forward this her immediately. Yeah, cause, right, uh, right. But, you know, that, before the anniversary would be good, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's something that, you know, the, the old, you know, golden rule. Um, I mean, there's so many of these rules and, and ways and love your neighbor as yourself. And right. that's what we really got to teach ourselves to do, but we've got to form that habit. And, and the more we start looking for love and people and giving love away, the more love just floods us in our life. And I mean, uh, so you, true. Know, I, you know, I paint things that are taboo in the art world. I mean, I paint hearts and I'd say 95% of the art teachers in the world say, don't paint hearts and don't paint stars, you know, oh. but I've made a career painting hearts um, because, you know, really of that, it's, it, it, I believe love flows. And I mean, the fan club that I get, I mean, meeting you, I know mm-hmm. how important love is to you, right. you know, just from our meeting and, you know, right. you've invited a piece of my art into your home Absolutely. And, and I know it vibrates love, ener- loving energy, you right. know, and, and, and it has from day one, you know, and that's something that it's pretty cool as a, as an artist to know that, but also know that, you know, my one-year-old daughter and my five-year-old daughter, they're getting that energy as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're going to get that energy when I'm dead and gone. Right. Uh, you know, that's going to flow on to them and pass on to them. And, and uh, that's pretty cool right. to think of, you know, like I can't imagine a better way to make a living. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I feel like I'm living the dream right now. Uh, so 
At what point? Um, that's that's ex- like you're reading my mind. So let's figure that out later. But that was my next question. <laughs> At what point did you realize this is what you were going to do for your work? Like when did that turning point happen? Because you knew you loved art as a, you know as a child, but then it was squelched. Which tell, uh, let me tell you, I think I've been down that same road. And then you kind of came back to it in a time that was really hard. And at what point did you go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the leap. Um, you know, it was, I mean, like I painted a heart for my wife on her first date, mm. you know, so that was like, but I had started another heart before that, you know, mm. but I just, because, and I think it was the, I know it was the Wayne Dyer influence, but also the Bible influence, Mm -hmm. you know, God's influence, Jesus' influence that made me want to go to this, you know, and uh, I believe anything you put your mind to, you can do in this world. You know, Mm -hmm. people that say, oh, I have no artistic ability. Well, neither did I, you know, and you have to fake it till you make it. You got to just keep trying and trying and trying. And then when you've done it long enough, you get pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'd had a, you know, one of the main things as an artist is trying to get into a gallery. You know, that's something that all artists, uh, it's a dream that they have is to be able to get their artwork in a gallery setting that people can go in and purchase it. And I had called to uh, one of the hardest streets, you know, in the country to get on as an artist uh, in Santa Fe is Canyon road. And I had met some people before I was an artist, you know, working for another artist. Uh We had dropped off this artwork there and I called them up and I said, Hey, um, I'm trying to get in a gallery. Um, can you recommend me anybody? Can you refer me to anybody maybe in your area that you think I'd be a good start with? Mm-hmm. They said, well, sure. Well, send me your images. So I sent them some of the images of some of the work that I'd done. And there was a few hearts in there and abstracts and other things. And they said, oh, we love the hearts. We'd love to sell them here. Can you paint us a, a dozen of them and send them to us? And nice. I said, sure. Well, then they started selling them, you know, and they started, you know, selling them, you know, pretty much everything I sent to them, they were selling and so that was kind of the, I said, you know, I'm going to paint hearts and, 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 um, <laughs> that's pretty much, you know, how it happened for me. And I didn't know that it would get to this until right. I, I had my first daughter and I said, you know, I want to, you know, everybody says, put your 10,000 hours in to become a master at something. Oh. And I said, well, I want to you know be a master at painting love. So I started a little, um, you know, hashtag and kind of a story collecting thing called 10,000 hearts. And so every time I sell a heart, I take pictures of that person and I collect, you know, stories about them. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're one of those stories that I I've collected over the years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what number you are. I, I didn't really number them, but I've just been collecting them, put them in a folder. And uh-huh. my, my goal was to, to leave 10,000 stories of love, you know, behind for my kids. And, um, and not even just for my kids, but for the world. Right. Um, you know, just you know, uh, it seems like artists are all judged on their body of work while they were alive. And right. I would like to be judged on my body of work, which I'm going to be. And why not just, you know, flood them with love when they pull my name up and say, right. who is this? Who is this artist, Tanner? You know, I want him to say he was the most loving artist of all time, <laughs> you know, and. This, this totally know. gave me goosebumps, this little story here. So just so you know, it's a good story. I think that's going to happen. Well, yeah, it is happening. Happen. It, yeah. It, it's definitely happening because it's my right. focus. And, right. and right. that's what, it, when we want something to happen in our life, we have to focus on it. We can't focus on what we don't have in life. Right. We have to focus on what we do have in life. So, you know, uh, if you want something to happen, just 
focus on it, think about it all the time. And uh, it'll come when you're ready, <laughs> you know, when you've gotten everything else out of the way for it to present itself, that's when it shows up. Isn't that true? I mean, that's kind of how this, what we're doing right now has been. It's been like a, a seed in my mind for probably about a, a year. But the minute that I cleared everything out of the way, it just, everything went crazy and it's all taking off. So it really is part of it. I'm going to turn the direction a little bit here. So you ready for some fun? I mean, not that um, this, well, this has all been fun, right? I was it's having fun. a blast. I, I thought I was, <laughs> you're more fun than you give yourself a allowance for. So. Oh, good, good. I'll make sure everybody knows that. Okay. So um, one of the things I like to hear about is what people are curious about outside of what they're normally doing. So outside of hearts and painting and all the things that you've done. And here's an example for you. I'm insanely curious about the coastal redwoods. So I went out to California last year a couple times and seriously fell in love with the trees. Like I actually became a tree hugger out there, which is kind of hard because they're huge, right? So they're you're really huge. not hugging the whole tree. You're hugging like a little bit of it. And um, I learned a lot about them from a, a actual lumberjack out there. And then I also learned a lot about more recently, I've been studying about how all of their roots are entwined which I think is fascinating, right? So there's mm -hmm. all these giant trees and they have really shallow root systems. So they all kind of like hold on to each other so that they're stronger. And it made me like, it kind of ties back to this whole election thing. Like the more we connect as a collective group and, and like rat, you know, link arms and do the greater good, the stronger we are and the more we can bring that to the world. So with that long intro, I was wondering if there is something that you're curious about that you want to learn more about that's kind of off your normal path. Hmm. hmm. Let me see. That's <laughs> that a was good a long lead-in, wasn't it? No, I mean it's good. <laughs> it's it's good to think that. Like what am I? You know, everything. You know, now and most of my mindset is generally in business and right. how to be successful in business and take care of my family and and um, a lot of things that I've learned or been through. You know, my biggest lessons in life um, came. The things that I learned the most about in life came, but it wasn't by seeking it, you know, right, or I didn't right. know I was seeking it, you know, I found it through error, you right. know, and, and learning that way. But mm. I mean, one of the things that I, I would, there's, I guess there's one thing that sticks out in my mind that is something that I've always wanted to do, but I haven't done it yet. And uh -huh. that's to be a writer, you know, <gasps> oh. so I've always seen myself as being an author and writing books and, um, I've kind of looked at my life as stages, you know, in my twenties, it's about experiencing life and my thirties, it's finding my craft and working my craft, you know, to become a master of that craft. In right. my forties, it's, it's a, it's about putting that into word form mm -hmm. and really focusing on the motivational speaking side of life right? and, and going out and, and inspiring others through my words in a, um, you know, public speaking format. And mm -hmm. that's something that, uh, I'm really curious about, I want to do it. I, I know that I'm getting ready for it. Uh, -huh. uh I can feel it coming and I, I'm learning and, you know, doing things like this is something that, uh, is helping me is helping prepare me for that. But that's something, right. I mean, I see in my fifties, I have visions of speaking in front of 40, 50,000 people, you know, mm -hmm. and, and in spirit and, and inspiring crowds of that size and multitude. And, and most people would say, well, yeah, didn't you almost fail public speaking, uh, <laughs> you know, and speech communications in college? Yes, I did. You know, because that was my biggest fear. And right. still it is, you know, 
and, and I'm not uh, unique in this, but most people's biggest fear are speaking in front of a crowd, or, you know, right, and, right. and now uh, I've gotten to the point to where I want to get rid of every fear that's in my life. You know, oh, I don't, right. um, getting rid of your fears uh, gives room for life, you know, exactly. and for faith in life. And so I like to tackle those things head on. And, you know, today I've spoken in front of probably 2,500 people as the biggest crowd that I've done. And, nice. and I was scared and I got the butterflies and everything. But when I got those butterflies, I thank God for those butterflies because that was the, the first time I had felt alive since the birth <laughs> of a child, you know, I love and, that. and that energy, when it comes, I'm like, yeah, because that's that those butterflies are one of the strongest feelings that you feel right. to me, right. you know, that nervousness. And, you know, I don't get that much anymore. Right. You know, like I believe someone could probably come and put a gun to my head and I don't know that I would feel that. Right. Uh, now, at one point in my life, when I had those things happen, right. you know, I felt it. I felt the fear, but I've been tackling fear head on for the last ten years. And I'm just saying, you know, fear, you're worthless. You don't, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't own me. You don't have anything on me anymore because, you know, faith. My faith is so strong now mm -hmm. that uh, when that comes that when that when that level of fear comes my way right. uh, I'm gonna throw love at it and I, and, uh, and I'm not gonna throw it out in anger I'm gonna I'm gonna give it you know and I believe that love's gonna conquer that you know and I believe that a love is so strong that fear just it just uh, it wrinkles up you know and shrivels up to true love and mm -hmm. true the force of that now there are some people that will probably take it to that other level, you know, and and could kill me for that. And but that's OK. I, you know, I have faith that um, I'm going to live my life until it's time for me to go to the next one, right. you know, and, well, and I don't have any worry about that, you know. And don't you think like, so first of all, that was all beautiful. And I can't wait to see you in front of 40,000 people because I will for sure be in the audience. And I and um, just for the record, um, seventh or eighth grade speech class, I got up and I forgot to breathe for like the first entire, I don't know, felt like about five minutes. So all of a sudden I went like this, I went <gasps> like in the middle of my speech. And it was yeah. like, so for years I couldn't get up in front of people and finally conquered that fear a million times over. And now it, I'm like, and I think, so here's what I was going to say. I think for people who live in a mode of fear about many things, what I hope they know is like every time you conquer a fear, even starting from the smallest ones, it like builds that muscle. And then you want to do the next one. And then you want to do the next one. And then you want to do the next one. And each of those that, like I found that each of those that I've overcome, like a, I think about a month ago, I went out and um, took a stand-up paddleboarding lesson because I wanted to do it, but I had this fear of it and falling in and water and all this crazy stuff. But it, afterwards, I was just like shaking, giddy, happy because I did it, you know? But um, every time we do that and build that muscle... Not only does it build that muscle, but it like somehow makes us more real. You know, the fear, I felt like all the fears I had were like uh, blocking people from really seeing the real me. And the more, oh, of those I, the more of those I took away, the more real I became. And then the less fearless I was, because when you're real, when you're totally you, there's not as much to fear anymore, you know? Correct. Yeah. 
There was my soapbox. <laughs> this is supposed to be about you, but you got me off on one of my uh, really well, I, big things, which is crushing fears every everywhere I go. Crushing. Well, fears. this yeah. Well, this is this isn't always about me. It's about us, and yeah. you know, and this this is definitely just as much about you as it is about me. But that's we're equal partners in right. this, especially in this talk. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. But yeah, that I mean, yeah, you you said it correctly. I mean, it's a. Uh, um, you know, most people live out of fear and, and fear and faith are very close. I mean, they're, they're very, very similar. You know, one just believes that, uh, something bad's going to happen mm-hmm. and, and be, and the other just believes that something good's going to happen, exactly. but both of them, neither one of them happened yet, you know, right. and why live life fearing that the worst is going to happen when just as easily you could believe that the best is going to happen yeah. and none of us know what's going to happen either way, but the, you know, the world gives you what you think about, you know, right. and, and that's how it works. You know, our subconscious, when we think our subconscious basically, you know, puts that out to the universe or to God or whatever you want to call it and puts it out to the way the spirit world, you know, cause mm-hmm. we know there's a physical world and there's a spiritual world. Everybody agrees with that, you know, right. I think. And, <laughs> and when our thoughts are the connection to the spiritual world and, you know, when we're connecting to the spiritual world, um, and we're, that's what we're getting in the future, you know, right. and then tomorrow. And, you know, when you're thinking those good thoughts and putting those good things out there, that's just storing up what's going to come your way in the future. So as long as we're, you know, keeping our mind right and we're thinking on the things that we want in our life and not what we don't want, that's when we prepare ourselves for what to get what we do want. Right. <laughs> you know? and, it's, and it's religion generic, really. I mean, it's it's not specific to a religion or a faith. It's really about just faith in the greater good all the time. And that's yeah. what shows up for us. You know, faith that things will go better, faith that things will work out, faith that what we, what we want to have in our lives. And I don't mean like, you know, Ferraris. I mean like harmony and, you know, comfort and freedom and all of those things, they'll come along through that. Yeah. Well, and I think it works for Ferraris too. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to put a physical, you know, the physical <laughs> side to it, but it works right. for that too. Yeah. I mean, if you want a Ferrari you think about a Ferrari, I mean, you can, the world will present you with an opportunity for a Ferrari, you know, if that's what your focus is and we get what we focus on and uh, it can be physical. It can be love. It right. can be, uh, it can be a spouse. It can be children. It can be all kinds of stuff, you know, but we get what we focus on period. And right. whether that's spiritual or physical, um, you know, you get it and uh, you just got to not give up on the right. way to getting it. And not and focus to, on the lack lose, of it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't lose faith, you know, and, right. and let fear um, outweigh the faith that you put out towards whatever you're focusing on. Right. Right. Well, that's a nice place to end because I think I want to go spend a little bit of time focusing on living in Italy and I want to spend some time focusing on (laughs) all these good things. Nice. Nice. So this was so much fun. Have you had fun? I've had a great time. (laughs) I had a great time. No, it's good to talk and and especially communicate with other like-minded people that are uh, out there, you know, championing for the greater good in the world. So I mean, you're, me and you are are definitely kindred spirits. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I, I look at you as like a family member and I I look at everybody that way. So, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, but that's, you know, I think that's the only way that I can, figure it out in my head is just to treat everybody the same, <laughs> you know, and exactly. if, if I treat everybody the same, then that becomes my way. And that's right. what everybody has to say about me. So, 
But yeah. um, I That's appreciate right. what you're doing and, and I support what you're doing. And I know that it'll be a huge success and because I know you won't give up on it. So. Right. And if we can create a ripple effect of this kind of goodness, then um, then it's a success. That's the only that's yep. the only measure that I have out there. So I'm hoping that we'll get to talk again sometime in the future. You know, when you get I, I just want to mention you have you've opened how many galleries now that you're running? Well, I opened up three uh, this okay. pa- in 2015. I opened uh, or within about a year, I opened up three galleries. Okay. I've since closed two of the galleries just wasn't the right market. You know, they were both successful, but mm-hmm. um, they weren't successful enough without my time there. Okay. You know, and, and, and I can only be in one place at a time right now. I'm still trying to, trying to figure out how to <laughs> be in multiple places. And Let's I think Einstein, yeah. yeah, Einstein was thinking about that too, I think. Exactly. So, you know, but um, yeah, that it, it's just, you got to focus and I also just wanted to you know, this one spot, the new spot that I'm in now is it, it's not going to, it can't get any better in Dallas. Oh, I'm at nice. the the top end of uh, the market, you know, the market that I want to be in, I'm there. I've arrived mm-hmm. there. So it's time to just make this one um, bigger and better and mm-hmm. really focus on it. So great. So but yeah, three and three in one year was a lot, you know, 14, uh, 15,000 square feet worth of gallery space between three locations geez, within one year. That's uh, so I definitely have the drive and the, uh, um, I don't know if I'm too stupid to, to, <laughs> or what it is, but, um, I, I have no problem going after and seeing what happens uh-huh, and, right. and, uh, making adjustments as needed, but, um, they were all successful, so I can't complain too much. Um, and they got me to here, you know, uh, right. if I wouldn't have opened the first one, I wouldn't have got to the third one. Right. So, so how many artists do you have in your, in your gallery then in Dallas? I represent, uh, around 20. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't have the exact number cause okay. you know, I've got local people and international mm-hmm. people and, uh, I probably should know the exact number of artists I have, but it's no, 20 to yeah, 20 good. to 25, okay. you know, uh, it's a lot. It's probably more than I need to, uh, or I wouldn't know how many I had. So, but, uh, I also want to make sure that they all have equal opportunity to mm-hmm. sell and, and also I got to be able to sell my stuff as well. But, right, right. um, you know, it's a, we, you know, we're, I'd say about 20, I'd say 20, 21. Okay, it would nice. be my closest guest. That's a good size though. You know what I mean? It's pretty good. You get too big. It's going to be, it's going to really water it down for everybody, everybody. So it's nice to have that it's a good number. Well, no two artists are similar. From my vast experience, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, no two (laughs) artists are similar. Everybody has their own style. Right. And one of the things that I wanted in my gallery was I want to have something for everybody. You know, I want to have something that everybody can – somebody will – you know, everybody that comes in should be able to find something that that they like, you know, so – that was my main goal. Well, that's great. Um, so I'm going to put all that up for listeners. That'll all be up on the show notes if you want to take a look at the gallery pictures and the information, and some of, and definitely check out some of Tanner's paintings because they are absolutely lovely, absolutely beautiful. The one I'm like the one my heart's like uh, calling for today is the the big huge one that says love. What is that one called again? It's black and white on the front. Yeah. Don't let love pass you by. That one. Yeah, it's got a really cool movement feel to it. So anyway, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to wrap this and let you get on about your day of gallery doings and painting. 
Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, you just put it in, out to the universe that you wanted that piece. So, you know, we'll see know. Uh, We'll see how that unfolds. And you may right. very well get it. You never know. And I also want to come down and visit your gallery. And I also want painting lessons. So let's just like, let's like stack all those things. So we know. Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> all it. All right. Well, thanks Sounds so great. much, Tanner. Have a great rest of the day. And I'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Love you and love what you're doing. Love you too. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I'm guessing you could kind of tell how much fun it was for me to speak with Tanner in that conversation. The thing about him that sticks with me is if you met him in person and he stands up next to you and he's 6'6", he is a force to be reckoned with. Yet all you feel when you're around him is like this wide open flow of love. I mean, that's who he is. He is exactly what he says. He paints love. He flows love. He breathes love. And so... Being around him is just like, oh, it's, it's, it's like you just want more of it, exactly what it is. And so when thinking about like what I took away from the conversation with him, you know, how he's following his passion and all that, the thing that really sticks with me is how he really has a core, core, core value, and that's love. And everything that he does, every it's the foundation of everything that he does. And so I think whenever we're creating something, whatever it is, we need to know what that core, inner, you know, deepest, deepest value is that we're carrying. And I'm going to think about that in my own life. Am I, where am I putting that attention and focus? So if you want the opportunity to see some of his work or meet him or see him, so he's in Dallas, you can see the link in the show notes. Um, you can also uh, check him out online. He's got some great videos that he does of the gallery and some other things that he's doing. So it's really, you can find him in a lot of different places and they'll all be out there. And one last thing, as you know, this is episode three of the Glistening Particles podcast, where we're just sort of getting our bearings on how we do these things. I wanted to mention, please be sure to share this with all of your friends. We're out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we have the webpage where everything links out of, which is glisteningparticles.com. Would love it if you could take the time to get people to download off iTunes so we can get some good traction in the first eight weeks. And if you have any suggestions for guests, anyone you know who would be great to have a conversation with, please send them my way. It's all out on the website, listeningparticles.com. Thanks for listening.